1: What's up, Florida State sports fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Null Sports Podcast, and it's a, uh, a, a an episode now about a half a day removed from a inexplicable Florida State football loss. I mean, I don't think we kn- we knew what this team was going to be this year. I think we thought they were going to float around bowl eligibility, and I guess in theory they still could. But uh, Kurt Weiler here with Andre Fernandez. I mean, we're. It, it, a, a Florida State's first ever loss to an FCS team, and it just is a, a game that, in so many areas, leaves you scratching your head about how so much changed in in less than a week's time from that Notre Dame season opener.
0: I, I, I go away for one game, Kurt, and this happens. The whole thing melts down. The whole the whole entire plan goes goes to. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't believe it when I when when what I was seeing toward the end of the game and. I mean, where to start, right? I mean, the, the last play itself, you, you question, people have questioned, should FSU have gone to a little more of a, a prevent-type defense there and drop more safety help on the play, considering it was a Hail Mary scenario there, which ended up not really being a full-on Hail Mary. You know, uh, Philial Johnson makes the catcher on the 15-yard line, and then because of the way that the defense was set up, basically wins a one-on-one with Brownlee. Has enough of a chance to to then make a move on the safety on the one safety, of Sidney Williams, that was trailing the play that then overruns him, and then Jarvis comes back and it still it would have conceivably had enough to, enough of a chance to make the play, but outnumbered down there gets completely blocked out of the picture, and that's it, ball game. So I mean, even the play itself was bad, but then even before that. You know, the penalty fest that it was, just a sloppy game overall, which, you know, the FSU coaches obviously lamented what the way that that turned out. But a lot of plays, too, early on that, that could have changed things. That could have, you know, if, if Keyshawn doesn't drop the pass early in the game on the first drive, maybe that's a touchdown. They go ahead 7 nothing, and who knows? Maybe it turns out to be a, a totally different game. You have McLean, Malik McLean's play, where you know he juggled it. If he comes down with that twenty-four-seven with nine minutes to go, maybe the game's over at that point. You know, Kalen Deloach lights up Cooper, gets called for targeting. If not, Jarvis has Jarvis has the pick much earlier and kills that drive. Five minutes to go, maybe they hold on, even if it's ugly seventeen-seven. I mean, a lot of a lot of what ifs that you look at. But the bottom line, like you said, just on paper, the fact that they lost to an FCS team for the first time ever is is bad. But really the impact of it, it's amazing that just the complete other end of the spectrum here from what we were talking about last week about how how positive this was for the grand in the long run for the grand plan of FSU trying to come back and how negative this loss can be to derail that that kind of a push
1: and I I, I mean I wrote about that maybe we should have been tipped off of. Well, maybe that's not – when Notre Dame needed a last-second touchdown or last-minute touchdown to beat Toledo earlier Saturday. And I think at that point, you're kind of scratching your head. You're saying, well, maybe it's a hangover for Notre Dame. They played on a short week, too. They had that travel back involved. They had the quick turnaround, all of that. You can try and excuse it away. But uh, it's, it is harder to excuse that away now after seeing what Florida State looked like after – in that game, and, and I mean, at the end of that game, you talk about the defense. The last play, it, it's hard to put into words. I mean, Mike Norvell gave his reasoning why Florida State wasn't in prevent there. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me, or just about anybody else. He he didn't mention whether it came from him, I, I, I or or Adam Fuller or or wherever, but he kind of took the brunt as the the only coach who talked last night of a lot of national media kind of roasting him for a pretty questionable decision and. Say what you will about Florida State so far in Mike Norvell's tenure. But I think most of his coaching decisions and his staff's coaching decisions have been pretty defensible. Was not the case last night. It goes beyond that. What I'll say, though, the defense down the stretch was abysmal. I mean, to let Jacksonville State do with those last two drives, I think the Florida State defense got worn down. Jacksonville State had more offensive plays than Florida State. That plays into it. There's no business that happening. What it really comes down to, to me, is the offense. And you talked about the mistakes, how many more points were there if you finished plays. But 17 points against an FCS team is just not going to cut it. And that falls on, at the end of the day, Mike Norvell, with how heavy a how role he takes in the offense. There were some uh, I think questionable play-calling decisions, penalties constantly put them behind the chains and made things hard there. But Jacksonville State was always behind the chains and they converted some third downs. So, it's kind of and I think their average third down to go distance was even longer than Florida State. So, it's just it is a game that makes you reevaluate a lot and I mean like I wrote, it's a game that I think loses just about the entire fan base uh Mike Norvell, his, his, his I should say there are, uh, probably the entire fan base at this moment in time is out on him. It's not necessarily an entire referendum. He's not getting fired after this game for a variety of reasons, but uh, yeah. he is going to have to win some people back over.
0: Yeah, I mean, that that's where I, I mean, look, I, I still think this is to, to me, this is still like if you told me right now, have your season prediction, I still think this is probably a five and seven team because I still think it's just going to be this is what we're going to see this is a it's going to be a wildly inconsistent team. Now, are they going to take a different path to 5 and 7? Probably, because they already are with a loss I, I night. Mean, maybe it could it, it the loss last night probably means it could even be worse than that theoretically. But I just see the team just because of their youth, because of the fact that there's so many new additions that are playing their first years for this program for the, for Mike Norvell and and everything else that goes along with that that you're gonna see these wild ups and downs. A team that's capable of pushing Notre Dame the way it did one week, and then completely laying an egg the following week. You know, I mean, we, we joked about it talking between us last night. We said, this is the type of team that could surprise you, come back and beat Wake Forest next week, and then come out two weeks later and be in a dog fight for their lives against Syracuse. I mean, that, that's, that's what this roller coaster ride I think is gonna be throughout this season. Now, to me, the worrisome part narrowing the focus Is you're talking like for example, you're talking about those first downs and and, and getting into long yardage situations with all those mistakes. That's what they stressed this week. I mean, Kenny Dillingham, the offensive coordinator, went into detail this week saying how imperative it was to avoid situations like that. So you got to imagine that was a heavy focus of practices this week of team meetings, film study, etc. And then they come out and do the complete. they're, They're worse. They're worse than they were against Notre Dame. So that's the part that is a little worrisome that a team like this whether you chalk it up to inexperience or youth or whatever, or being too content with hanging tough with a top-ten team, whatever you want to peg it to, has that kind of a response when you're supposed to you know, hone things up and, and sharpen things up as you go forward. So that's what you, you hope to see that the team figures out a way to avoid letdowns like this and, and continue to push forward. But it is concerning because – Again, it's, it's a team that could, it seem, just seems very prone to those wild inconsistencies. I think we're going to see that throughout.
1: And obviously, I mean, you're, you're new on the beat. You haven't followed this team especially closely over the last few years, even if you've been in state. But this is a team that's been prone to, I don't want to say outright quitting, but it's a team that over a number of years now has kind of fallen behind early in the season in terms of its record and kind of been facing that uphill battle and hasn't really had a season where it responded to that uphill batter. I guess kind of 2019, going to win at Boston College to get the bowl eligible right after Willie Taggart was, was fired. That was, I mean, that kind of game where you they I think did that, it felt like for Odell Hagan's, yep. But on the whole, it felt like last week was a change because wow, they showed fight, they rallied. Even if that Notre Dame team's not a playoff contender or shouldn't be a top ten team, which they probably won't be after this week. They're a good team. They're a team that's more talented than you. And so, like we said, I mean, that shows the highs. And we'll see what that Notre Dame team is. It's going to be a while before we probably find out exactly how good that team is. It's possible by the end of the year you're looking at that and saying, how did Florida State lose that game? But uh, it's, I mean, what's really discouraging is that Mike Drovell, it seemed like, had taken a a big step forward in that culture. And not only is this the big step back, and, I mean, they they finally – suffered this loss that they've been flirting with for years. I mean, you look at 2018, Willie Tigers first year, they needed a late rally to beat Samford and not get beat by an FCS team. 2019, it's not an FCS team, but it's a very bad ULM team, a very bad FBS team, ULM. remember that one. It went to overtime, and ULM went for two and the win. And didn't get it, and was that away from? It's not quite as bad a loss, but that's a really bad FBS team. And then last year, Florida State's in an early hole against Jackson Jacksonville State, and Jordan Travis saves them.
0: Right. Well, uh, but then, but then again, they, last year, as you pointed out, you give them the mulligan because you're thinking all the adversity that they faced. Now this year, you're past that a little, you know, pretty much, and now you're doing this. So that's the difference. That's that's the biggest difference right there and again all oh, pretty 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 concerning in that sense in the short term right now i mean look if, if they're saying all the right things i think when you're talking about resilience and not quitting it didn't sound like even though this team was deflated last night at least some of the, from what some of the players sounded like it didn't sound like a team that's ready to collapse in that sense but you turn around and you lose now to wake and you're 0 in 3 especially if it's bad that's really going to test that resolve, and I think at that point we're really going to find out just how just how close, or if they do break as a team. I mean that that that's going to be difficult to overcome. It's already difficult to overcome as it is this zero and two start. But if they lose next week, things could get start to get pretty ugly.
1: No doubt. I mean we're uh, yeah we're we're now kind of I mean th- this season was always about the future. This was not a Florida State team that was supposed to do a lot. And, well, again, like I said, neither of us expected this team to be great. I think we expected them, especially by our predictions, to handily win this game. uh, Even when you're sweating it out in the final few minutes and it's not nearly the win you wanted it to be in terms of how comfortable it was, when you're up 17-7 with, like, 10 minutes to go and we can make whatever we want to out of that Malik McCain catch, I still think that was a touchdown. But considering no ref on the field on that play, none of them signaled incomplete until probably five or 10 seconds after the play ended. None of them had a clue. They just had to make a call. And with that replay, whatever was called was going to stand. There's no way that gets overturned. If that gets called a touchdown on the field, which I feel like it had as good a chance of of being incomplete because the refs clearly didn't have a clue live, whatever was called originally was going to stand. And obviously, I mean, we're having a somewhat different conversation if, if if that's a touchdown. It's still not great. It's still pretty discouraging, but you at least got the win you were counting on, on your path to six.
0: Uh, I, right now, they will take the win Yep. by one point uh, right now, if they, if they had to. I mean, <laughs> if you look at it, I mean, look at, look at some of the other results around college football that, again, this week. I mean, wild beginning to this season. I mean, Stanford goes into USC and drills them. I mean you know like I said Toledo hanging in there with Notre Dame, but they pull it off. But ask Miami how happy they are right now that they're not looking at a one point loss to, to Appalachian State. I mean you get the win and, and and move on and I think right now that's that's the dagger of this right now is the fact that you're, you're sitting there at 1714 hey you knock down the pass whatever and you walk and, and, and you escape and, and, and move on. but now this is serious a serious setback
1: well, and the real interesting thing here is I feel like there's, there was more clarity at the quarterback and that Mackenzie Milton played almost the entire game. But it also doesn't feel like, and I'm not putting a ton on him because, like I said, I mean, he threw for 133 yards, but he had multiple big downfield drops. It could have been an entirely different game. I think it's entirely possible if Florida State scores on that first possession. I mean, you wrote about it in your moments that change the game story. It's an entirely different game. It is entirely possible that Florida State comes out and scores that first one. That's all the confidence that they need to go on from there. It's yeah, weird yeah, how yeah. much of, like, especially teams like this that have had longstanding issues, how much of, like, a team head case situation it can become.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to Yeah, you're right. And, and you, you say because of the history and also because of the the, the youth of this team. When yep. think about it, that's a, you know
1: that's your also veteran your
0: freshman. I mean that's your yeah that's your veteran player making a big play well, a couple of your veteran players making big plays right there and again it, it that's a tone setter all of a sudden who knows maybe the next drive for Jacksonville State because you get some stops gets another one all of a sudden it's 14 and it's rolling but instead you're you're, you're going uphill you fall behind seven nothing and at that point Jacksonville State's the one that's dictated how this game is gonna go by, by staying in it early.
1: It's, I mean, we saw real growth from the Florida State wide receivers over the, over the start, over camp, over the preseason, as much as we got to watch from the start of camp where they struggled toward, to the end of the camp, where I'm by no means going to say they were a strength, but they were notably better. And so far, maybe shouldn't be surprising considering how unproven the group is, it has not carried over into a game whatsoever. I mean, Florida State's leading receiver last night was Darian Williamson, and he had 32 receiving yards. And he I, I, he actually had a couple more that I think he had two catches come back on an eligible downfield penalty, so he could have had like over 50 or so. Yeah,
0: and, but and here's a guy. And here's a guy we didn't even know how much he was actually going to play early on in the season because still one of the younger receivers
1: coming into the year, I would have had him below Keyshawn Helton on the like in terms of like importance chart, or chart that I thought could go off. Keyshawn Ontario Ontario Wilson was hurt last night. does beg the question, kind of pushes everybody up a spot. Malik McLean, Andrew Parchment, yep. and maybe even oh, Kentron yeah. Portier.
0: Yeah, argue. Ar, ar, yeah, you got the Kentron. Yeah, maybe. I mean, They're about on the a, same five level. 5A, 5B yes. on, the, on the chart, something like that.
1: And but he yeah. was your leading receiver last night. The only guy who surpassed 30 yards. Keyshawn, I'm actually looking. Keyshawn did not have a catch the rest of the game. He did not have a catch. His, his one stat was that dropped would have been touchdown.
0: Was he? Uh, and then you. How much was he targeted after the drop?
1: Oh, I'm looking. I'm trying to see if I have that. I mean,
0: because you wonder from a confidence standpoint. No but doubt. What, but, what, but was he targeted enough? Like, is it a, is it a case where they misfired three or four more times?
1: It it seemed like Florida State was a. It, it seemed like they the coaching staff were some of the early play stuff, and I realized why they did what they did was trying to. Test out some stuff thinking that this was going to be a comfortable win. When on your second or third series of the game, I think third, no, say, uh, either one. I don't know if it was second or third series of the game. When you're coming out and Jordan Travis, we have both quarterbacks on the field for the majority of the drive. You line up Travis at quarterback. You line up at running back. You line them up at wide receiver. It seems like, A, you're putting stuff on. You're making Wake, wake prepare for a lot of stuff. But that's not something you do, I would say, unless you're pretty confident in the result. And I mean that series didn't end up going anywhere. Jordan Travis got, I think, a series of his own that was a pretty quick three and out. Because again, FSU got behind the chains. It's a uh, it felt like a, a a bold move that did not pay off.
0: Yeah, and and the quarterback situation. I mean, look, I, I I get they're trying to keep teams off balance, but to me, that at some point, who do you settle on? Like, what do you kind of settle on and say you're the? You're the one we have to really get behind and, and kind of settle into a rhythm with on offense because it's two different styles and 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 I don't know. I just I just wonder if at some point they have to kind of narrow this and, and and just for the benefit of the offense to kind of settle into a rhythm and play a certain way and find and really just formulate an identity around one more often than one guy. It doesn't mean you can't use both in certain situations or the other. I mean, but. You just want and then and then you wonder from the standpoint of can either of these quarterbacks themselves be the guys that you know sustain an offense throughout throughout an entire four quarters and, and really play to their strengths and really you know carry teams to wins and and finish because two weeks in a row this team doesn't finish.
1: No, 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 no. They did not, and you can make of. I mean, obviously the. uh I think it was the Wildcat there on the third and third and one that got stuff that led to that punt that gave Jacksonville State the ball back one last time. The Wildcat was used a decent amount too. I mean, they really had had a third guy kind of he wasn't running quarterback because he never threw the ball, but getting a lot of snaps under center, or a decent amount of snaps under center. Deshaun Corbin had a great game. He had over 100 yards again for the second straight game. I think he had two career 100 yards games at all entering this season. It is now it's back to back to start the season. The run game, I mean, the problem is Florida State, again, had almost 200 yards rushing. They averaged over 5 a carry. Corbin averaged over 7 a carry. But when you're behind the chain so much, it lets defenses pin back and rush you. And obviously Jacksonville State didn't get a sack, but they clearly did enough to, to stop Florida State's passing game and, and not give up the big play, whether it was a missed pass, whether it was a drop, whether it was who knows what.
0: Yeah, and that's the problem. They've handcuffed their offense two weeks in a row to the point where they're just not giving them a fair chance to, to get going. And until they until they can come out in a game and at least limit these these errors and limit these mistakes early on and, set, and, and kind of settle into something, we're just not going to see it. We're not going to see it at all. And I think next week, you know, on the road... This is going to be tough. This is a well coached. I uh, can't nope. say it enough. What a well coached Wake Forest team that's going to be waiting for them.
1: And actually. maybe Dave Clausen's most talented team.
0: And they right, exactly. Which is, which is a team that is going to take advantage of those mistakes. And as soon as they get the ball, look out with Sam Hartman running everything over there. I mean, this is a potent offense. I mean, they haven't really been tested yet. They've, they themselves, but look at no. look at Wake Forest though. They've taken care of business against their teams, no matter how weak the opponent.
1: It's, uh, I mean, it's it'll be an interesting little test for the uh, Florida State defense. I mean, it's really tough. It, it, the, that last play being the lasting legacy of this game, and it is going to be. I mean, that's the play that everybody wrote about. That's the play that was asked about a bunch in, in post game.
0: It's yeah, tough. That's what, I, that's what I said. It's yep. one of those that could get you a nickname that's a yep. replayed over and over. They're going to have to it, live with
1: that. It, it may have already been nicknamed by, in Jacksonville State, like, the fandom there. You know, I mean, it is entirely possible they have already crafted a nickname or are working on it. Yep. And that shadows a game where for 45 probably of the 60 minutes, they were exactly what you needed them to be. They gave up one long touchdown drive in the first and second quarters mm. where where they gave up a couple really bad third and long or second and long situations that allowed conversions. Mm. But outside of that, I think there was a stretch of seven drives where they allowed about 17 yards total of offense right and well, th- that I- whole time the offense wasted chance after chance and yes that's what you're supposed to do against Jacksonville State but I mean I, I just I don't know the last play is horrendous but I struggle to put too much of this on the defense
0: no I, but, but at the same time like you said I, mean, I think they got worn down like you pointed out yeah that, that, that was the point I didn't I didn't make uh, before was you cannot let a team go 97 down your throat. Port,
1: like 40 of those penalties.
0: Yeah, on top of that, making it making things worse. I mean, you're stopping them. And that's the regrettable part some of the plays that we talked about, like the Deloach play. Very, very unfortunate because you had them stopped right there. And then you might have been able to ugly it out down the stretch and finish out a 10-point victory, let's say.
1: At a certain point, they're going to run out of time. Even if they get a stop and get the ball back, they're I mean, they barely had time to score one more time. They probably wouldn't. They almost definitely wouldn't have time to score twice more if that that interception by Jarvis Brownlee is upheld. And it's unfortunate that Jarvis made what should have been the game winning play, and then Jarvis was kind of the goat on the final play of the guy who got beat downfield for that play and then got caught behind the blocker. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> Jermaine Johnson is a guy who, obviously a Georgia transfer, definitely a guy who came to kind of be a part of, not, he wanted to be a part of, I think, a Florida State rebuild, but he wanted to come be a get a really prominent role and kind of boost his NFL stock. And good Lord, has he, through two games. I mean, he's been, the defense has been mostly solid. It obviously, was two, gave up too many big plays against Notre Dame got worn down against Jacksonville State. But Jermaine Johnson has been unbelievable for them.
0: Well, see, that, and that's the, that's the shame of, here's a guy who's invested. Yep. You hear him talk. And still
1: was last night after that. He came and talked to us and still Correct. was.
0: Correct. Exactly. But that's what I'm saying. You want that guy like that to stay invested. And how much, if they lose next week, or if this spirals even more, how much does that test your – I'm not saying Jermaine is going to react that way, but I'm, talk, I'm speaking in general terms. Yep. It tests the resolve of someone like that that yep. is used to being in a championship-level caliber program and has come here and, and has bought in and has been invested and is invested in this process to now get – to for the frustration to sink in. And then at, the, at some point you're thinking, all right, well, the NFL is what, seven, eight games away from me? I'm not saying again, I'm not saying he's gonna react that way, but I'm just saying in general terms, it can be very easy for a player in his position to start to slip away a little bit like that. So you hope that he you obviously hope that he does it, but that's why these next couple games are gonna be so important for FSU to turn the tide because of situations like that.
1: Through two games, he's got eighteen tackles, four sacks, and six tackles for loss. He had two and a half sacks Jeez. and three and a half tackles for loss last night. The first,
0: the first defensive series, he was in the backfield making plays already. You already saw it from the beginning last week and, against Notre Dame.
1: And he's the one who talked about how embarrassing a performance that was. <laughs> he he did he, he said embarrassing many times, but he often also paired that by saying that 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 they didn't need to focus on moving forward. But he's also – he's the first one who went to Twitter that I saw and kind of said, like, that was unacceptable. We will right. get better. And, I mean, it, it speaks wonders that he had the game he did and then uh, turns right. around and does that.
0: Well, he's a leader. Yep. And, that, and that's, it's impressive to see that leadership quality, too, for a guy who wasn't the main, main guy on that defensive front over at Georgia. You know what I mean? Like, it, it wasn't, he wasn't the premier defensive lineman on that team. But look at what he picked up, probably from that experience and from the experiences before that, and then he's brought that leadership here. But you know, again, at some point, you hope that that it all adds up for them to get back on track because you know you hate you'd hate to lose a guy that's that, that's that invested, you know, that, and, and you want that you want that in your program year in and year out, not just one, but you want several that can carry. That's the only way this will turn around. That's one of the one of the only thing one of the things that will turn this around in the long term, you know, if FSU can do it at some point, which right now we're looking, we're looking at in the short term reactionary way that it looks bleak, but these next, I'm telling you again, these next few weeks are going to be so important. Not just for, I mean, not forget about not just this season, but I'm saying for the long term and, and we didn't even touch on the recruiting topic. Yeah. I mean, to talk about like what we go from one week sitting out there at the Moore center, talking to, to Travis Hunter and then calling up other guys to, Asked them how impressed they were, and now it's like, okay, guys, you what? Know, uh, how 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 close are you to panic mode? You're watching this, or are you still on board? Are you still invested? What's going on?
1: I mean, yeah, it's a. We talked, and I, I will say I've seen a few recruits already kind of talk about Quayshawn Sapp, Rodney Hill, a running back commit. Kanaya Tar- Charlton I think retweeted uh, Rodney's tweet. Talking about how that they're still committed. I know they're the platinum. Platinum is kind of their thing. That they that they've talked about the uh, is it platinum class or or whatnot. Yeah, but I haven't seen anything from AJ Duffy. I haven't seen anything from Travis Hunter. I think Sam McCall, your your four star safety commit, sent like a face palm emoji. I mean that is the type of game that makes guys like Travis Hunter. Who is, depending on which recruiting service you look at, the number one or number two player in the entire class? Consider if they really want to come be a part of this. It yeah. makes you, it, no matter how locked in you are, that kind of loss has to in, instill a tiny bit of doubt. I have to imagine.
0: And that's and that's the big that's the crippling defeat that will outweigh any loss on the field this year. Is if they if guys like that, you know, pull out uh, and and don't you know don't end up coming here because of the, because that. That that sets back your future tremendously if you start losing guys of that caliber. You know, not not just Hunter, but guys you've mentioned right now, Duffy, who you know could be the type that is the starter in the not too distant future. Here, I mean, <laughs> yeah, and and and, I and we're talking what we've seen so far at zero three, let's say, or God, I don't I mean, even <laughs> I don't even want to depress people more than they're already depressed this morning. But let's just leave it at that. But at that point, how how much do these guys stick, and then that's the again, that's the real victory or, the, or defeat in this season is how how great of a class you can build to to keep pushing this process forward.
1: I mean, we've talked about for a while now how important that Wake Forest game was going to be. I think before it's because we assumed Florida State's probably one and one in this game. Yeah. They this is one feels important to win to in order to go for to a bowl. I think now you can make the case, and who knows? But like you said, it feels important for Norvell's long, longitude, longitude, his, his tenure. Yeah. I do not think yeah. he's not, again, Florida State's situation is one where he's not getting fired if they lose next week. But like we said, I mean, a lot hinges on that 2022 class. A lot hinges on the, the guys he has on the team right now. And if things get too far out of control that gets real worrisome.
0: Yeah. If it spirals, it could get bad to that point, but I, yeah, I don't I don't think it's that, I don't think we've reached that point and agree. I don't think we'd reach that point even at 0 3, let's say. But this yeah, this takes on we are looking at that as a pivotal game in terms of the final record and potentially getting into the bowl game and now this takes on a whole new keep your future intact meaning uh, kind of thing if if they can pull this off or not pull this off and not just within the even the battle within the battle of don't go up there and let all of this negative, uh, juju send you into a terrible loss on the road where suddenly you look like bottom of the barrel in the ACC when you were hoping to take at least a little bit of a step forward this year too. I mean, that it just there's so many layers to it of how bad it could get if that, if, if something like that were to happen.
1: Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll definitely be back at some point in the week with a, uh, a Wake Forest preview pod, I will, uh, I'm heading up to Winston-Salem, it'll be my first time up there for quite, quite an interesting game, to say the least, even more so than I would have thought, just because, I mean, response is very much going to be the key here. I realize, uh, I'm sure if you've made it this far in the pod, I mean, kudos, you, you, there might be some self-loathing in there, or, or just, uh, who knows, but... It, 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 thank you. We do appreciate maybe, it.
0: Maybe maybe your favorite NFL team just hasn't kicked off yet. Yeah, oh, there maybe there maybe
1: you go. Yeah, you're, you're playing that. one of the yeah, four maybe, o'clock maybe, games. Maybe your
0: favorite NFL team is playing on Monday night.
1: <laughs> you're, I mean, but what I will say about, I mean, I realize how little I'm sure people want to read off of that game last night. But I, speaking on behalf of both of us, I think we we provided well reasoned, good coverage. Broke it down. Andre, you wrote a great story breaking down the final play and just everything that made to that moment. I wrote a column that I, I'm pretty proud of as well about just Mike Gravel and how much goodwill he cost himself with the, the fan base that kind of was giving him breaks and I don't think is going to give him many of those anymore and, and there's going to be much more in the days to come. We're obviously set to talk to uh, all the coordinators tomorrow. So that will be along with Mike Gravel again. So it'll be interesting now with with a little hindsight with uh, time to study the film, kind of what, what comes out of that tomorrow.
0: No doubt. I mean, it's going to be interesting to hear the coordinators talk. I mean, you know, we've seen a lot of, Venom directed uh, Adam Fuller's way after last night, so it'll be interesting to see his perspective on on the events of Saturday night.
1: We uh, appreciate you for listening. We appreciate you if you're a subscriber to the Tacit Democrat. We, if not, we strongly encourage you to uh, to do so. To uh, follow us on Twitter, we uh, greatly appreciate it. Anything else to add, Andre? I think we have a uh, pretty well pretty well covered it.
0: Yeah, I think we've hit it from all angles and. You know, again, we'll be taking you through this uh, this difficult week and and, and right up to uh, Wake Forest and beyond, and see see where this bumpy ride, which that's what I, that's all that's the only prediction I'll make right now. This is going to be a bumpy ride the rest of the season.
1: That it will. We uh, thank you for joining us. We will uh, talk to you next time.